You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie recommendations for whatever ails you. And note, we are not real therapists. We are not real doctors. We are not experts in any way whatsoever in mental health. However, we are, Rafer and I, real movie critics. That's right. So, Kristen, shall we get to this week's letters? Yes, we are going to start with this letter that you and I both love, Rafer. It's from Matt. Yes. Matt says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my upstairs neighbors are usually great people. They always say hi to me when they see me. They let me know when there's a package for me in the vestibule. And until recently, they were extremely quiet. But now they're both home officing and on video conference calls all day long, one from the front of the apartment, the other from the back. Rafer and Kristen, I cannot tell you how loud these video conference calls are. I can hear almost every word said. I even know some of the names of the people they work with. Yes, you, Abby, in product. I don't think my neighbors realize you should wear a headset when you're on a Zoom meeting call or that you don't need the volume turned up to 11. How can I diplomatically tell them that they're driving me nuts? Alternatively, is there a movie I can watch on a loop that will be loud and irritating so much so that the upstairs neighbors will get the message that they are driving me crazy. Wow. Oh. Rafer, have you ever dealt with this issue before? Or hold on, are you the loud neighbor? <laughs> no, I don't think, I, I really don't think I'm the loud neighbor. I really, I hope not. I mean, granted, you know, when I, when I had two very small children, I think I probably was the loud neighbor. Um, I don't think we're that bad. I think my kids at this point are pretty well behaved. We do have some loud neighbors uh, in our, I'll just say, uh, general area here. Um, I don't want to get mm -hmm. too detailed or specific or point the fingers at anyone <laughs> by name, but I will say this. It's you, Jeff and Mary, right next door. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you, Jeff and Mary. Uh, there is no Jeff and Mary, but it gets a little wild out here in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Kristen, <laughs> as you, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> For people in the rest of the country who don't know what Park Slope, Brooklyn is, it is a beautiful, picturesque, 
brownstone block, <laughs> cherry trees, front garden sort of neighborhood, famous for its strollers. Yes, it's everybody has a stroller walking down the sidewalk. So it's pretty, it's pretty sedate. Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy world with all those strollers and gardens. <laughs> We're on the edge out here, Kristen. Uh, yeah. So yes. Yeah, so I, Kristen, you must know how this goes. Yeah, um, I've lived in a lot of noisy places. And I mean, at this point, my upstairs neighbors, bless their hearts, but they do have the two young toddlers, or I guess they're not toddlers anymore. They're three and five. And they're much like your young boys used to be, Rafer, you know, full of energy. And they don't know how to sit down. And they haven't discovered the joy of screens yet. I wish they would. I so wish they would discover screens. <laughs> God, I wish they would. But they haven't. So yeah, they're pretty loud sometimes. Um, So yeah, I think we all know what it's like. Anyone who's ever lived in an apartment building or in a city, I think we all know, Matt, what you're dealing with. And we're so sorry you're dealing with this now when there's nowhere else for you to escape to. That is for sure. That is for sure. So, Rafer, what are you going to prescribe to Matt to watch and or to do? I mean, do you think he should talk to his neighbors? Well, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there, Kristen. Okay. And I'm going to begin. I'm going to begin by recommending a movie. It's a little little tongue in cheek, but I think there might be some lessons to be learned here. It's a horror movie. It's mm. called The Tenant from 1976. And it may be the weirdest movie ever directed by Roman Polanski, which is saying something. That is saying um, a lot. <laughs> Polanski himself is the star. Whoa. That is saying a lot. I know, I know, you know. Uh, yes, Polanski is the star of the film. He plays a, a, a mild-mannered, very inoffensive uh, fellow named Trelkovsky. Note the similarities there between the two last names, Polanski, Trelkovsky. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'd write my thesis on that, but I think there's a little theory there. He's a guy who's arrived in Paris. He needs a place to stay. He finds this kind of rundown apartment building where everyone in the building just seems to be kind of a jerk. Uh, everyone takes an instant dislike to him. The landlady, played by Shelley Winters, uh, treats him like dirt. The other neighbors do have loud parties. They barely speak to him when they do their rude. Sometimes they just stand at their windows across the courtyard and just stare at him kind of catatonically. (laughs) And he eventually gets the feeling that they're trying to drive him insane. And it just might be that they drove the last tenant insane, too. Here's a clip. The previous tenant threw herself out of the window. (laughs) You can still see where she fell. She's not dead yet. But she might as well be. She's in the Bretonneau Hospital. What if she gets better? Don't worry, she won't get better. This does not sound like a good neighborhood to live in. I don't like these neighbors. You're going to throw yourself out the window if you live here. This does not sound like a good place to live, Raper. No. Very bad. I don't even know what district of Paris this is in, whether it's a great district or not. I have no idea. Seems a little rundown, a little dingy. But the reason I recommend this to our listener, Matt, is because there's something very Kafka-esque about this movie. You never know how when you read a, a, a Kafka story... Everything seems to sort of happen to him. Nothing ever seems to be his fault, but you do kind of wonder if maybe things are his fault, if maybe he's done something to bring this on himself. Where did he go wrong? How could he have handled these uh, these situations differently? There is a moment in this film where Polanski, who's being pushed around by his, excuse me, Trelkovsky, <laughs> is being pushed around by his neighbors. He goes over to a, a friend's house and his friend is the opposite. He's this loud, boisterous, kind of uh, arrogant, pushy, obnoxious guy 
who puts on a John Philip Sousa march record in his apartment and blasts it. And when one of his neighbors comes down to say, excuse me, could you turn it down? The friend says, screw you. I'm not going to turn it down. I don't care if you have a sick wife. I'm playing my music. It's my apartment. So you have these two polar opposites here, right? You've got, you know, you've got the Tchaikovsky character who's kind of a pushover. You've got the friend who's this, you know, kind of arrogant jerk. There's got to be a happy medium. And so I think if you watch this film, you'll kind of maybe start to ask yourself a little bit like, why is this happening to this guy? And where, where, how would I handle these situations differently? And then maybe I won't throw myself out the window either. So that's my that's my prescription to you, Matt. The Tenant from 1976. You can find it for free in a chopped up version on YouTube, but it's also available for streaming on places like Amazon Prime. I would I would pay the three ninety nine if I were you and 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 watch it properly. Okay, so I'm very intrigued by this, but I'm also wondering: Are you telling Matt that all of this is his fault? I'm not saying that, Matt. I'm not saying that, but I do <laughs> want to point out, Matt. You are considering blasting a loud movie yourself to drive your neighbors nuts. And all I'm saying here is I think there's probably a better way to deal with these things and probably sort of a happy medium to come to in terms of dealing with your neighbors. I don't want to say it's your fault, Matt. Uh, Well, Rafer, I have to say I'm really intrigued that you chose a Polanski movie because I almost chose a Polanski movie myself. And then I didn't. I almost chose Rosemary's Baby because those are bad neighbors. (laughs) Also terrible, terrible neighbors. Those neighbors impregnate you with the spawn of Satan. When you're not looking. That's right. And and then they kind of gaslight you and like, oh, wh- what do you mean something feels weird? I don't know what you're talking about. You know? Right, it, right. Those are bad neighbors. You don't want those yeah. neighbors. But no, you're right. <laughs> Polanski knows a lot about bad neighbors. This well, well, the tenant is part of Roman Polanski's, uh, what they called his apartment trilogy, Repulsion, Rosemary's Baby, and The Tenant. It's not really an official trilogy. I think it just sort of worked out that way. But I don't know. Maybe Polanski had some bad neighbors out there. Wow. Okay. I need to check out these other movies just because, like I said, I've only... Because I've only seen Rosemary's Baby, but I clearly need to see The Tenant. And what was the other one? Uh, Repulsion. Catherine Deneuve. Repulsion. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll check those out. Um, But I'm going to go in a completely different direction here, Matt. Okay. I'm going to go with a little movie uh, from not that long ago, 2014, called Neighbors, starring Seth Rogen, Rose Byrne, and the great Zac Efron, always without a shirt on, because that's what Zac Efron does. Of course. <laughs> In this movie, Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne play a couple who are um, new parents. They move into the suburbs, into a beautiful little house with a beautiful little lawn. Everything seems just picturesque and perfect until the new neighbors move in next door. It is a fraternity of course, led by the shirtless Zac Efron. And everything <laughs> turns into a party and a battle between what the young couple wants, quiet, peace, suburban life, uh, what they miss, right, which is like partying, being cool, and so on, and um, what they really can't stand in the end. So it, it just... <laughs> you. I I don't want to give it all away, but I think you know the whole plot just based on what I've told you right here. Here's a clip. Wicca, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Are you our new neighbors? We're your new neighbors. Cool. Anyway, just wanted to let you guys know that in this neighborhood, we don't keep off the grass. You know what I'm saying? No way. That's right. Thank you, guys. Also, if you could maybe just uh, sometimes... Keep it down. All right. (laughs) (laughs) 
All righty. Well, dope. I have to say, I thought it was a pretty goofy film. You know, as comedies go, I would not put it in the the first tier of comedies, but it was pretty funny. And Zac Efron, I have to say, is a is a pretty great comic talent. I know most people didn't like Baywatch, but I actually did. Oh, I really liked Baywatch also. And I thought Zac Efron was yes. pretty funny in that, too. I agree. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Total flop, but I thought he was pretty good in it. And I thought he was good in this. And it's got some it's got some good laughs in it. And I will say, Kristen, that yours is a uh, uh, your prescription for Matt is a, a far kinder, gentler prescription. Again, without giving anything away, this has a far more upbeat ending than mine does. <laughs> and so, you know, this this will be good. This will be good because I think, Matt, you've got two very, very different movies to choose from here. Yes. And also one other thing. It can be dessert. It can be an appetizer. But I wanted to also suggest just a very short video. It's only a minute or two long. It's from Above Average Productions. It's very easy to find on YouTube. And it's just called Everyone's Upstairs Neighbors. And (laughs) it is a miniature video documentary, a fake documentary of the upstairs neighbors, whoever they are. And uh, they explain how they make all the noises to make everyone else's life hell. I know this video. I've seen this video. Yes. Yes, yes you have. I know like it. It's rolling quite around funny. bowling balls. They have 25 cell phones that all ring at the same time yes. that are sitting on the floor. They are, you know, pouring beads out of buckets. You don't understand what they're they're like roller skating and it's called Everyone's Upstairs Neighbors and if you watch this video you will laugh and cringe with just pain and recognition yes. and it's a great appetizer or a dessert to the two movies that Rafer and I mentioned <laughs> and you know hopefully after watching all of these movies you'll know what you want to do in the end maybe it is to speak to the neighbors and just say hey you may not realize but um I might be overhearing confidential things on your Zoom calls. I don't want you to get in trouble because I'm hearing things that maybe I shouldn't. You know, maybe you can politely slip a note under the door and make it clear in your note. Like, I would tell you personally, but because of social distancing, I know I'm not supposed to face you right now. I hope you're well. Also, please tell me if I'm being too loud. You know, these are things that you can politely do. But who knows? Maybe after you watch all of these movies, you'll decide you don't want to do that. <laughs> I think these are fine choices, Kristen. I, 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 I think you, I think you've made a fine choice here. <laughs> so once again, our recommendations are Neighbors with Zac Efron. That's Kristen's, and mine is The Tenant, a Roman Polanski film from 1976. All right, we're going to take a quick break to go and yell at our neighbors. <laughs> but before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie recommendation? Write to us at raferandkristen at gmail.com. You do not have to use your real name. You can use a fake name. You can be Roman Polanski or what was his other name? Yeah, you could be you, Trelkovsky. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, you can do that too. <laughs> Again, that's RaferAndKristen at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer. Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who misses the great outdoors. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw... (gasps) 
Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she was, Or call the police. Or call the police, <laughs> like she should have, exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then from beneath the Hollywood sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Larry Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Shaka King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Harvey Smith, Ike Barrels, David Arquette, Thomas Mildred, Jim and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. All right, we're back with our second letter of the week. Megan says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I miss nature. I'm immune compromised and live in a very densely populated neighborhood. So walks are few and far between these days. In order to cope, I look out my windows, listen to the birds, and I water my houseplants, but it never feels like enough. I need some natural beauty. Help. Kristen, oh, what do you say to that? That's tough. Megan. Oh, I feel really bad for you, Megan. Now is a tough time for anyone who's immune compromised. I mean, it's a tough time for everybody, but especially if you can barely get out of your house right now. And it sounds like you're doing all the right things as far as, you know, opening your windows, uh, having houseplants, getting some sunshine, trying to listen to the birds and so on. I think that's all great stuff. But yeah, I can understand what you mean. Just like, you know, standing underneath a tree while the wind blows through the leaves is a beautiful thing. Or looking at the flowers growing out of the ground in the springtime. There's all these things that are just part of being a human on the planet that you're not getting. And I'm I'm sorry you can't be out in the world to get it. And I think, you know, even people who fancy themselves city people, we like a little bit of that each day. It, it really does enhance our lives, I would say. Wouldn't you, Rafer? I'm just going to be honest with you. I hate nature. What? I never like to go out. I don't. I don't. I don't like to go out in it. I don't like to camp. I don't like any of that stuff. Well, I don't like to camp either. I freaking hate camp. I, camping is the like my worst nightmare. But I mean, Rafer, you go on walks every day. There must be a part of you that likes nature somewhat. I like the park. I like to go to. I like you know why I like a park because if you because if I go to the park and I get lost, I can just walk in one direction and eventually I'll reach a bodega. That's why I like the park. I don't want. I don't want to be out in like the woods. Forget For it. People not in New York. A bodega is a corner store. <laughs> when I was growing up, we called them the liquor store. I don't know why that is. No one ever. No one else seems to call them that. But it's like a convenience store. Yeah. So hold on. You you have no sense of your your heart does not really go out to Megan here because you don't miss nature you hate nature you don't need nature well my heart goes out to her because because it because I know what it's like to sort of be trapped and not be able to have the thing you want 
right? I mean, I, I, again, I say that I hate nature, but I do like to go outside. I do want to stretch my legs and go for a walk and get some measure of fresh air. And, you know, we only get so much of that these days. So I understand where Megan is coming from. And the movie I'm going to recommend to her is Free Solo, the documentary from 2018, the Oscar-winning documentary, the one about a Alex Honnold, the free solo climber who climbs uh, El Capitan uh, in Yosemite National Park. It's 3,000 feet of sheer, almost featureless rock face. I think it's 3,000 feet, I think, is pretty much like almost the height of the Twin Towers. It's really oh tall. Uh, and these are the guys who, you know, free free, uh, free climbers are the guys who don't use any equipment. It's just a pair of good sneakers, shirt, shorts. And I think the only little thing they allow themselves is essentially a bag of chalk dust so that they can dip their fingers in it and get a slightly better grip, you know, like when you're, like when you're playing a pool. See, that shows you where my nature metaphors come from. Um, it's just like a pool. It's just like being at the bar with a, <laughs> with a martini and you're, you're, like, you're paying pool. Um, but one thing I do like, not being a nature fan, one thing I did like about Free Solo was this idea of this kind of Zen state that Alex Honnold enters when he's up on that rock and he really is out in nature and there's nothing civilized about what he's doing. It is him and the birds and the air and the clouds. And he's got this one thing to do, which is just move up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until he gets to the top. And of course, as you can imagine, the view is breathtaking. Here's a clip. What if something happens? Ah! What if I don't see him again? I could just walk away, but it's like, I don't want to. I've always been conflicted about shooting a film about free soloing just because it's so dangerous. It's hard to not imagine your friend falling through the frame to his death. I think when he's free soloing, that's when he feels the most alive, most everything. How can you even think about taking it away from somebody? This movie made me so mad. It made you mad? I was so angry. Every second of this movie. Yes, the folly of these people. The, I, I, I just thought, you're out here almost killing yourself over what? What is the point of this? You're, you're climbing a flat wall, essentially, made by nature, with no equipment and no net. Why? Yeah, okay. Because you have nothing better to do? Why don't you go out and try to help people who are homeless or something? Take care of some sort of social justice issue if you want to do something that's really hard. Like, this is your idea of living life to the fullest is just trying to kill wow. yourself? Like, Kristen. What? What? This movie made me so no mad. No kidding. Oh, no, okay, now, I think in Alex Honnold's defense, I think he does do some social justice work. He does, I think, speak to kids. I think I think there are some things he's doing out there. But I mean, you know, this is this is what it's like to be out in nature. You know, there's like real nature. You're you're at the mercy of it all, man. You know, there's 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 no there's no one out there to catch you. There's no rope. There's no fire department. There's no safety net. That's the state of nature. And I, I'm never going to do that, but I can appreciate it. I can appreciate the, <laughs> the purity of the experience, I guess I would say, uh, you know, and, and that was one of the things I liked about this movie is it, it is I, I'm normally with you. I kind of feel like, why would you just throw your life away like that? <laughs> but free solo, I don't know. I kind of got what he was after. So that's why, that's why I chose the movie, but I'm surprised at your, I'm surprised at your anger, Kristen. <sighs> Man, I mean, maybe Megan will like that. Megan, if that's your cup of tea, 
you have at it. You and Rafer, you just go on a double date and you watch that movie. I will go somewhere else and like pretend I'm at a bar. Okay. All right, Christian. What's your recommendation? <laughs> All right. Well, my recommendation for Megan is twofold. First, Megan, just to have on in the background, do not concentrate on this. Just leave it on at all times. There is a YouTube channel. It's the Paul Dinning YouTube channel. You can find it by just doing a Google search for TV for cats or go onto YouTube and search for cat TV. (laughs) And he has dozens of videos that just show birds hopping around in nature. You can hear them singing. You can see their beautiful feathers. Oh. You can even hear the wind blowing through the trees. It's like a it's like a Yule log for cats. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I it like is, Rafer. Right? For... And sometimes my husband Dean just puts it on the TV for me so I can have it on in the background because I'm. It's great. I, I love birds. I'm kind of a wacky bird lady, but also it's just like a very nice peaceful sound, especially when my upstairs neighbors are being louder than hell. Right. And then I can just have these birds that are like hopping around and singing, and it makes me feel better. So that is just something to have on in the background. But to actually enjoy and to sit back and to have a bowl of popcorn or a glass of wine with, I am going to recommend you check out Disney Nature's documentaries. Every year around Earth Day, they release a new one. They always have a celebrity who is narrating it. Sometimes it's somebody like Tina Fey. Uh, This year they had Duchess Meghan Markle uh, narrating their elephant documentary. Yes, that's right. And I especially loved last year's narrated by Ed Helms called Penguins. And uh, Penguins tells the story of Steve. And of course, they anthropomorphize him. We we don't really know that this penguin is named Steve. Do you know that? Do you know that, Kristen? (laughs) (laughs) But back to what I was saying. Steve is a late bloomer of a penguin. It is breeding season for his specific species of penguin. He has to go out there and build a nest. He has to get a girlfriend. He has to learn how to be a father. He needs to learn how to hunt for food for his family. And we watch all of this happen over one season in Antarctica. And something that's important to note here, I know a lot of people out there are probably thinking, oh, what a snooze fest, a nature documentary. And I have to say that is not the case with penguins. Listen. Maybe Steve's not the most punctual partner, but the belly full of fish he's brought home more than makes up for that. And it couldn't have come at a better time. Adeline is fast running out of food. It's her turn to go fill up on fish. So they trade places. And Steve nervously steps into the role of father for the first time in his life. He has no idea what he's doing. The Disney nature movies, I think, are generally pretty good. Um, You know, this was kind of Disney's attempt to restart their brand back in the old days when they'd put the film strips and the the old 16 millimeter uh, films on in the classroom and you'd all sit there and watch the Disney Disney nature doc in class. They've got amazing capital A amazing photography. Like you cannot believe the the kinds of shots these people get. I really have to say like above and beyond the kind of stuff you even normally see in National Geographic. My favorite of these, by the way, is Chimpanzee with Tim Allen. Oh yeah, I remember that one. That's a great one. Um, But these are, these are, that's a, I think that's a great choice. uh, And they're, uh, they're really, they're fun, easy to digest, quick, light nature movie. So yes, I concur, Kristen. Yeah. And they will take you somewhere that you probably aren't. I mean, I'm guessing, Megan, you're not writing us from Antarctica, (laughs) you know, 
So not only will they give you a taste of nature, they'll give you a taste of nature that is not in your backyard or out your window, something that you can't look at if you're just trying to get a glimpse of sky out of your apartment, but, you know, a glimpse of the world beyond it. So again, Megan, our recommendations are from Rafer, Free Solo, which I am not recommending, (laughs) and all of the Disney nature documentaries, especially Penguins narrated by Ed Helms. And I do recommend those because I'm nice, Kristen. (laughs) We're going to take one more quick break. But when we're back, we have one more letter. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Where legends are made. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism, villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy and triumph that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood. Available now wherever you get podcasts. Hey Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. All right. We are back and we're ending things with a new segment starting today called What Should I Watch Next? It's inspired by all of you out there who've written in asking questions very much like this one from Lila. Lila says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've seen all the movies more than once, and over the course of the pandemic, I decided to watch each of them again in episode order, starting with the terrible episode one with Jar Jar Binks. No, the series is not perfect, but here's what I love about it. The epicness, the magic, the music, the fight scenes, and the idea of there being definitively good forces that win out in the end. Tell me, what should I watch next? Oh. I love this letter. I love that, Lila, you had a project of what to watch. I know a lot of people have special, like, watching projects right now during the pandemic. And and this is a pretty good one. It's, you know, it's interesting to see how those movies evolve, um, even though when you watch them in episode order, you're kind of not watching them in the same order they were made in. And, oh, boy, those Jar Jar ones are really bad. They're terrible. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's uh, that's that's impressive. That's impressive, Lila. I got to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I could do that. Oh God! And how many hours <laughs> out of your life is that? They're pretty long movies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, okay, this is interesting, and I bet a lot of people are in this kind of predicament. So, Kristen, what's your suggestion? 
All right, Lila, you may already know this. Um, maybe you don't, but film scholars usually refer to Star Wars as a space Western. And because of that, I am going to suggest that you watch a real Western, a spaghetti Western from 1968. If you don't know what a spaghetti Western is, there was this period in Hollywood where all these Western movies were being made, directed by uh, Italian directors, and they were all fantastic. They all had fantastic music and cinematography yes. and almost a campy quality to them and almost like a French New Wave quality to them all in one. They're such fantastic movies. So check out some spaghetti westerns. And I'm going to suggest you begin with the classic Once Upon a Time in the West from 1968, directed by Sergio Leone. Now, this movie centers around the fight over a piece of land with water on it. It's, you know, old time West. A railroad baron wants it, knowing the new railroad will stop there. His henchman goes in, kills the land's owner, and blames it on a bandit. And then, of course, there's a mysterious gunslinger with a score to settle who arrives in town. And at that point, things get real. And Frank? Frank sent us. Bring a horse for me. Well, looks like we're <laughs> looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Kristen, this is an unusual recommendation. I never would have imagined that you would have recommended a, a Sergio Leone film for this. I'm I, I, I'm very impressed. I like this. It's a good idea. Oh, good. I'm glad you think so. And, you know, I got to say one reason why is that in Lila's letter, she mentioned the fight scenes and the music. Uh-huh. And, yep. oh, my gosh, the music in this movie. The fight scenes are fun, but the music by... Ennio Morricone yeah. is so incredible. It is just one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. It is so epic and it will haunt you long after the movie is over. You'll still have that music in your head. It is beautiful. It's got the sound of a stopwatch. It's got a harmonica. It's got like a countdown to when you're going to die. It is beautiful. It is so, so, so good. So yeah. So Lila, check out some spaghetti Western starting with Once Upon a Time in the West. Um, Reefer, I, I'm curious about what you're going to choose because I have a feeling it's going to be very different for me. Well, it is. And I'm feeling like maybe I wasn't uh, imaginative enough here now that uh, that I've, I've seen your, your recommendation. But I'm going to suggest the original motion picture franchise for Star Trek because here's the thing. I feel like people talk a lot about all the Star Trek uh, series, all the Star Trek reboots, the uh, the new Star Trek prequels with Chris Pine as the young Kirk. But the original feature films uh, seem to have been somewhat forgotten, I think, over the years. I hear everyone talk about Captain Picard, and everyone <laughs> talks about freaking Data, who I can't stand, and Kristen knows why. <laughs> you hate we can Data. talk about this at a... <laughs> At a later date sometime. But anyway, no one ever talks these days, I think, about the original crew, Captain Kirk, Spock, Bones, Scotty, and the rest of the gang. And I'm just going to say, as a kid who did not necessarily watch the original Star Trek television series, I was not a Trekkie. I was never really a fan. I, I saw it on TV here and there, just in passing. But I did see all the movies in the theaters, and I really loved these movies. And I found the characters really appealing. The stories feel really intelligent and thought-provoking the way that old-school sci-fi used to be. And 
definitely the films vary in quality, but Lila, if you've seen all the Star Wars, you're used to that. <laughs> um, but at least the first three Star Trek films are undeniably great. And I do, of course, want to single out the best of the bunch, which is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan from 1982 with the great Ricardo Montalban playing Khan. They're requesting communication, sir. Let them meet static. They're still running with shields down. Of course, we are one big happy fleet. Ah, Kirk, my old friend. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? It is very cold in space. Ooh, Rafer, do I smell rich Corinthian leather? <laughs> You sure do. <laughs> Nobody's going to catch that reference unless they're over 40, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Of course I do. This was an advertisement for a certain kind of car. It was for a car. Ricardo Montalban was like, he would touch the rich Corinthian the rich leather. rich Corinthian leather. That's so true. You know, that's one of those great, um, that's one of those great commercial examples where you remember the slogan and not the product. You know, I've, yeah, I have no idea what that car was. All completely <laughs> forgotten what the product was. I don't remember what that car was either. But yeah, the, yeah, the rich Corinthian leather. It's a great role for Ricardo Montalban. Um, I love the original Star Wars movies, but I think the Star Trek movies were a little smarter, more challenging. You know, they they force you to kind of keep up and be involved. Obviously, they're not 2001 A Space Odyssey. They're still fun. So to me, they really strike a great balance, I think. And so, Lila, if you haven't seen the original Star Trek movies, I would really recommend those. So once again, Lila, our recommendations are Star Trek, the original motion picture franchise, starting with The Wrath of Khan from Rafer. And for me, Once Upon a Time in the West, as well as all the spaghetti westerns you want to watch. And that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Please don't hesitate to reach out if you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations. We are at RaferAndKristen at gmail.com. And of course, you can tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And don't forget our website. It's RaferAndKristen.com. You can use the contact form there. And of course, you do not have to use your real name. <laughs> You can call yourself Jar Jar Binks. Yes, you can. We'll know it's you. <laughs> uh, okay, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And please tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.